Hello, dear friends, and welcome to another awesome episode of Life of Love. We're just delighted to have this special guest with us today. She is a warrior for love, for self-expression, for creativity, and I'm just really happy to share this space with her. Her name's Marsha Van Weinsberg, and she's coming to us from Ontario, Canada, right? Yes. Yay! She has multiple novels. She has a couple podcasts. Um, she's going to share some personal stories from her past and her family to help us help our children be more strong or... Um, Maybe maybe just be more aware of things that are out there. I don't know how to um, how to say it the best way, but I know the best way is going to come through for us and through us to uh, share this really important information about um, addiction. And we have just a, a wonderful show planned for you. So stick around to the end. We have some offerings, and you know, just really excited, Marcia, that you're here. I really appreciate your time, and you know, I'm honored as a you know, I'm I'm not a newbie podcaster, but you're a veteran, and I'm just happy to be in the space with you. <laughs> Aw, thank you so much for having me, Julie. I'm grateful to be here. So I, I'm really happy to have you too. And I wanted to talk about NLP, the Neuro Linguistic Programming. I wanted to ask you if, if it was something that was presented to you as an aha that changed your life or was it something that sort of trickled in like what what drew you to that neuro-linguistic programming which people call NLP I'm so glad you asked this question because it actually the first times I've heard of NLP I for don't ask me why I always understood it and thought it had to do with sales and business that's what I thought it was um and <laughs> so wrong but that, that's what I thought it was. And in 2020, when we were all going through, you know, a lot of changes, I, my job was gone. I turned 50, I was starting a new business and I was waiting for medical testing and in the process found out very fast that I was going to have to have full back surgery, titanium, everything put in. It was very scary time, even being in the hospital on my own. I almost had um, two bouts where I didn't make it in the hospital. And when I came out, I actually came across something on my screen and it talked about NLP and how the power of our thoughts and our beliefs and learning more about ourselves and how our subconscious mind actually holds a lot of our own limiting beliefs. And I had this moment where I felt very drawn to taking the practitioner training. I didn't even understand why, but there was a part of me that wanted to learn because I felt like here I was 50 years old, learning how to walk again, literally. And, you know, coming from building a business and doing all of these push mentality things that I had skipped over a lot of steps of healing. I had skipped over so many different parts of healing and my body was holding on to a lot of trauma and I didn't know how to let that go. And consciously, right, our brain is, our conscious brain is one to 5% of its ability and the rest is our subconscious. When we are holding on to trauma, it's like buried in our subconscious mind. So no matter how hard you push to reach a goal, to achieve something, 
if on some level you don't feel it, believe it, or see it happening, you can't outwork your limiting beliefs. And that for me was a light bulb moment that I went, you know what, maybe actually it's not about working harder, pushing more and doing more and burning out constantly. Maybe there's a smarter way to do it. And so I actually, I would say NLP was one of the very first things I invested in myself for that was not because of a business. It was for me. And then through the process of learning so much more about of it, I was like, okay, now I understand why I needed to learn it. Wow. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I have never done it, but I've heard I've, it keeps coming across my screen too. So I wondered what had, had drawn you to it. So you believe from what you're saying, you you believe your recovery was enhanced because you were able to let go of things in your subconscious so that you could use that energy to heal instead of battling or, or pushing things down. You know how we get so good at pushing things down. We're like a trash compactor. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that analogy. I was a great trash compactor. Like I'd spent my lifetime going, yeah, push that down, keep going, push that down, keep going. And eventually it hits a point where the body just says, "I, I can't hold this anymore. It's just too much. And that's exactly what it was. So there's a lot of different tools and techniques in NLP that involve really going back and looking at the root of where those limiting beliefs are. And most of our limiting beliefs were formed before the age of eight. So it's not that people say, well, I didn't even have any trauma happen. I'm like, you don't have to. It's big T's, little T's, but it's also our interpretation of what we're hearing and our interpretation of our experiences. And so I had a lot of deep rooted limiting beliefs that would create a lot of charge around them. And when I say charge, that means that I was a very reactive person. I'm not that I, that, that was me to a T. I was reactive. If you needed someone to go to battle for you, if you needed someone to fight against something, that was me. Those traits, they helped me to survive most of my life. But I do believe there comes a point where our strengths become our weakness. And that's actually what happened for me is that it was recognizing that this way is literally going to take me out. I'm going to take myself out by doing and going through life the way that I was. So as I started to understand and learn more about what those triggers were, how to see them differently, how to help to heal and support my subconscious mind, I became less reactive to life. And if we think about how much energy do we spend reacting to life around us every single day, that's energy that we are not, we don't have left to use to create the life that we want to live. And that was an eye opener for me is that I learned how to respond to life instead of react to life. And the amount of energy, the amount of cortisol that my body produces as a result, it is so much better. Like I actually sleep now. I can rest now. I am in a different, I'm a very different person. And I, I do attribute a lot of that work to NLP. I love it. What did I hear someone say? Mm-hmm. Instead of being in your play, show up being in the audience of the play. Isn't that the truth? Isn't no, that's that's so true. That's so true. It's honestly, it's a very powerful series of tools and techniques that you can use. And I've had clients say, like, do I have to do this work every day? And I'm like, well, do you think every day? Because you're you think with the thoughts that you've had for like for me, 53 years. I, I we have these limiting beliefs that replay over and over every single day. And I think the 
the big message that I want to say there is, is that like we are always, it's us against us. And so how about we create a scenario where we're not battling ourselves as much and we are supporting ourselves. That's the difference. The other piece is I've spent years helping people to learn how to change a story. And it was the light bulb moment for me that you can't just think your way to changing a story. You actually have to recognize what has your body gone through? What has it held on to? What are the challenges and the stressors? Because that's important when it comes to changing a story too. Mm. Like you said, let go of those chargers, let go of those those inner wounds, those beliefs that you were thrown at us when we were, you know, before we even understood we were thinking anything. I mean, these, yes. these scenarios. So I think that segues in really well to what we, what was on our hearts when we first started talking, um, that idea that you have compassion and you're feeling where you're feeling and how you can, you can show up as a better parent for mm-hmm. a child. And what, what we said we wanted to explore was, you know, addiction in children. And, and when you notice or, or when you're, well, my question was, were there, there things you'd want to tell yourself as a young mother looking back that, you know, that you, that you might've been too busy, you know, you were, do, you were working mm-hmm. in that paradigm because you didn't have NLP then. You, you were, Mm-mm. you were producing and running your businesses and, and your children were showing signs of addiction, but then you might have guilt because you might not have seen them right away, or you might've been out of town or, you know, like how, how would you look at it differently now with your experience? And, and what advice can, if, you know, that's my biggest thing is like living a life of joy and magic. And, and if we can show up in our families in a different way and being more conscious of our unconscious programming is huge, right? Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm going to let you take the stage and what's coming to your heart about that. And I, th- you know, and I honor that you're, this is a difficult, we're opening up a little wound, right? But mm-hmm. I, you know, and I respect that this might be difficult and I want everyone to appreciate that this is like personal. This isn't just, you know, someone talking about signs and symptoms. This is like a personal thing. No, um, thank you so much for saying that. It's almost like a disclaimer because this is a this is a challenging topic, and there are times where even my husband and I will have a conversation. It's like, wait, that was our life. Like that's what we lived in. Like it's it's so almost surreal. But about um, probably eleven years ago, we started to experience teen what I call teen substance abuse. So some people will say it was a stage. It was marijuana. That's where it started. And for us, we never got to experience it like a stage. It, it just came in and it, it never left. It only amplified and led to a number of different things. Now, I know a lot more now than I did 11 years ago, but I can tell you when it first came into our life, I actually spent a lot of time fighting it. Like I fought it. And did I overreact? I don't know if that's really the word, but I can say that I've even asked my kids, was there ever any time that you were unclear about how we felt about what was happening? And they're like, oh no, you were crystal clear. And I'm like, good. Well, that's important, right? I mean, I was consistent and I was clear. For us, it was never a stage where, you know, as we were talking, when we were younger, there might be drinking, there might be experimenting, but, you know, I... I worked, I went to school, I came home, I did. That's not what we were experiencing. 
we were experiencing they, you know, missing for days, not going to school, not coming home, not knowing where they were. And so we had a lot of things that we had to juggle with without a lot of notice. It wasn't like there was a lot of prep time for this. And we all know that parenting doesn't have a manual anyways, let alone there was no parent, there was no manual for what we were living in, none. And so I spent a lot of time fighting. <clears throat> fighting is the only word I can think of is fighting, controlling, trying so hard to fix, manage, and control everything that was happening. And 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 I couldn't. No matter what was happening, I, I couldn't make it stop. And during that time, I found myself living with immense amounts of guilt and judgment that I must have done something wrong, right? I must have done something wrong. This mm-hmm. was both my kids. What was going wrong? Like, what did we do wrong as parents? And we spend so much time looking for blame, and looking for reasons why. And I think that that's a victim mentality. And I say this with a lot of love I because I lived there for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes when you're in victim mindset. Nothing changes. Like nothing moves forward. Everything is stuck still. It's okay if you recognize yourself living in that space, but just honor, bring awareness to it and find a way to move forward. So for me, I remember a counselor saying, you know, where are you experiencing joy in your life? I'm going to take it back to a word that you said earlier, Julie, where are you experiencing joy? And I remember looking at her and thinking, have you lost your mind? Did you not hear what I said we were living in? Like there is no joy. You know, most people would be able to go home at night or on the weekends or holidays from work and their home was their safe haven. My home was not my safe haven. My home was the place, the last place I wanted to be. And I actually would find refuge in my car in parking lots because I didn't want to go home. And so there was no joy at all. I had to go look for joy. I had to find it. And I had to start to change my thinking. And one of the quotes that turned things for me was hearing Brene Brown say that you can't selectively block out emotions. You block when you block them all. And so I was trying to protect myself from the opinions, judgments, and criticisms from other people while at the same time being in a space of not knowing how to process what everything that was happening. So I'm blocking everything until eventually I hit a point where I was like, I was completely alone and I still had the problem. So it was a moment of going, your way's not working. Like this way is not working. And almost coming to a point where we did almost lose both of our boys in a span of a couple of days apart. And as awful as that time was, That was a very big turning point moment for me because I recognized that I wasn't in control. I didn't have control. I wasn't able to like fix, manage, or change this. And both things happened in my own house. And that was a moment of recognizing that I can't keep them safe. I, this isn't, this is out of my control. That's an awful thing. No parent wants to hear this. And, 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 and I say this, it's very scary. No parent wants to hear this, but it wasn't for me to control And in that moment, I decided that my job was going to be to give their future self a chance. That's what my job was. My job was to stop hating on the person that I was seeing in front of me, stop trying to change, fix, and control the person in front of me, and give give their future version a chance. So that meant that I did actually have to grieve who they were and who they had become and almost losing that part of them because the kids that were in front of me were not my kids. They they were not my kids anymore. That was, that was different levels of addiction at that point. 
And so I had to grieve that in order to move on. And I decided that I would give their future self a chance. And that meant that if something went wrong, I was calling police. If something went wrong, I was filing charges. I was taking them to court. I was doing things that I would never, ever wish. And I'm not saying my way is the only way. I please don't ever take that for anybody who's listening. But I had to come to the mindset that I would give their future self a chance. And I remember being in court once and my one son saying, I cannot believe you did this to me. And I'm like, I will do this to you every single time over. I, my job is to give your future self a chance. I don't care if you hate me right now. I will come. I will like visit you here. I will love on you. But my job is not to push and pull you through life. My job is to walk beside you, to support you, and to give your future self a chance. And those words anchored in me. How did NLP come into that is I had to really go back and learn how to like let go of some of the guilt that I had held on to, let go of the shame, the judgment, the feeling like I had failed and rewrite that story, like really rewrite that story. And I believe that in a lot of ways that, I mean, we gave our kids a better chance because of the positions that we started to take and the real changes that they made were because of them. So I think this is, I say this with a lot of love. There's a lot of parents that want to win, want to take their child's wins as a badge of honor. Like I'm a good parent and I did a good job. And yes, that works to a certain age, but there comes a point where we don't share a brain. We don't share a brain with them. They make their own decisions. And so letting them fail and have consequences of their decisions allows them to make different decisions. So as they started to make changes in their life, and they were at a point, I remember when my one son went back to school and he graduated, he's got an incredible job. He does great things now. And he said, you know, you did help me a lot. I'm like, we did. And you actually were the one that made the changes. Like let them own their wins too. We can't just take their wins as a badge of honor as a parent and then their faults are their fault. That's not how it works. I think we have to let them learn to stand on their feet even when they're a younger age, because honestly, no human makes changes if there's no consequences to their choices. We don't change behavior. If right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It reminds me of a book that changed my parenting, The Blessings of a Skin Me. Oh, I don't know that one. I don't know if you've ever no. heard. It's a parenting book. It's it's not new. It is. I, I don't it's on my bookshelf around the corner, but the blessings of a skin knee. And it's like, you know, when your child falls, you don't blame the rock that they slipped on. You just say, Oh, you, you missed your step. You don't, you don't freak out and call an ambulance right away. You're like, you okay. You know, that was a mm-hmm. tough one, but it's a totally different thing from freaking out and being like, get a bandaid and let's get some ice pack. You know, you mm-hmm. get there, but you know, this is, this is a chance to show resiliency. This is a chance to show that I believe in you. This is a chance to break down a paradigm of, I will love you if. No, that's not how love works. It's unconditional. 
And if you're putting the condition on your child, you're putting that on yourself. You're saying, oh, I'm only good enough if I do this, that, and this, you know, and it's just crap. It is crap. I'm sorry. We can't continue to exist with this, these limitations. And the kids pick up on it. The kids are perceptive. So they internalize, they feel the control, they feel the manipulation. They might not be able to say it, Mm -hmm. but it's the same thing that generation after generation has gone through. And, you know, so just having, you know, so many things you said were just like, you know, I believe in you. I'm, I'm going to give your future chan- yourself a chance because if you don't believe in someone, you don't give them the space to fail. And, you know, I'm here for you. That was good. That was really good. If you don't believe in them, you don't give them a space to fail. That is, that is so powerful. And it's, I think that's a very big act of surrender and surrender is very, it's, it's, it's a great concept. It's not easy to do. And I was a person who was that fighter and controller. And again, those were strengths for a long time, but eventually they came a point that it's like, these are not strengths. These are weaknesses right now. They're actually like, they're killing me. I can't live like this. And so learning to, I, I came to the mantra of like, own my choices, own my life, which is actually the name of my podcast, but that's not my choice. That's what I kept saying. Like, that's not my choice. And it's like, okay, I can't own that choice because that one's not my choice. And I would say to them, but you're standing in a space today as a, as a result of the choices that you've made, but do that as a parent without shaming them because shame does not create change. I would love to say I didn't do this wrong. And that's an absolute lie. I did do it wrong. I completely added shame because out of desperation and frustration, trying to make, cause I wanted, I was worried we were going to lose them. And that's where we were at, but shaming somebody does not create change. Like that is not an empowering way to create change. So learning to let go surrender and not try and fix and manage and control them and letting them create their own life empowered them to be able to make change. And the changes that they made, I 100%, they did that themselves. They, I gave them space, but they did it themselves. And so I don't want to own that. That's not mine to own. They deserve to own the changes that they've made. Those are some of the pieces of it. And you referenced a book, and I just want to share this book just in case anybody is in this space and this story is connecting to you. I read a book called Stay Close, and it's Libby Cataldi. I read it like probably a decade ago. And she was on the journey of sharing, dealing with addiction in her son. And through that concept was learning how to stay close to them emotionally, but have a distance and respect boundaries. She had to learn how to, and I had to do that. There was a time where I didn't see my kids for months because I I couldn't, I, I literally couldn't, it wasn't safe, but I would send them messages and I would say, still love you, right? Like I'm here for you. I mean, I get angry messages mm-hmm. back because that's the space that they were in. But it was like, I, I love you and I'm here for you. So you can find a way to stay close to somebody, but not take on where they're at. That allowed me to continue to heal. And the more I healed, the better I was for them anyways. I know. And there is research that shows that our DNA is actually in our children until the age of I want to say 21 or 19. It's like, it's well beyond the teens. So Mm -hmm. like when they're feeling pain, we actually feel it. So the helicopter mom thing, like I have compassion for that. Like I've done it. Like you don't want them to hurt because it actually does hurt you. I mean, it's the mama bear. It's, 
you know, so you, you have to recognize it, it does hurt. You have to recognize it, that it's theirs. It is. And that's how they're going to learn because they're not ours to keep. I say this, but they're not ours to keep. They're for us to raise so that they can be functioning adults in society. And part of us, it, like that's part of the path. So even when you mention helicopter parents, during our time, one of the things my counselor said to us is not even helicopter parents. We're creating this generation of, of lawnmower parents and lawnmower parents means they're going ahead and like cutting the grass and paving the way of every single obstacle. So our kids never have to experience any of it. And I was like, Oh, that's a, that's deep. Like that's a very deep. And he said, if our kids are never experiencing any kind of obstacle, then when they're 20 or 25 and they're trying to find their way on their own, they don't know what to do with the first thing that goes wrong because we've never allowed them to experience a challenge. And it's a disservice. No, no shame, but you know, it's, it's sort of a neglect, you know, like Mm -hmm. If you can catch yourself, it, you'll do better. Yeah. And then, you know, it's the whole thing that our beliefs, our thoughts, even if we don't say it, they pick up on it. Everyone picks up on it. Any relationship you're in, if you're thinking negative things about your lover, they pick up on that. Like any single relationship, even if you go up to the bank teller and you're thinking negative thoughts, they pick up on it. Like everything we do has a charge to it. So of course, yeah, if we're judging, if we're, if we're putting expectations on our kids that, you know, are, are just ours, we have, we have to, we have to know who they are. They're a separate soul. Everything has energy. Uh, Everything. It'd be nice if we had a, we had a manual on that, but we don't. It's, it's learning, and it's a it's a path. No, and I and I mean again for any parents who are listening, like I, I we've had very open conversations with our kids. They're both adults now. They're twenty four and twenty five, and I, we've both openly said we made mistakes. We made mistakes as parents. I guarantee you. But I can also look back and say I did the best. Like we did the best that we could with the situation that we had. There was no manual for anything we were walking through and it was an absolute nightmare. So I think as a parent, it's also important. Like I think most parents feel like they're never doing enough. They're not doing enough. It's not right. I'm balancing work. I'm doing this. I'm never giving enough. And we are always in this perpetual cycle of never feeling like it's enough. And if we're feeling that, our kids are feeling that. You're right. This is exactly right. They are Mm -hmm. feeling what our emotions are. And most of our emotions and beliefs, they're based in that subconscious mind, that 95 to 99%, they're not real. They're like, they're like, we're, we're just repeating patterns over and over and over. And most of the time they're not serving us. So they're not helping us to move forward. And I think it's very important to recognize that when those beliefs show up many times, I thought you completely blew it as a parent. And I would stop and say, but did you do the best that you could with the situation that you had? And I can say, I honestly did. I try, I turned over every rock I could. So for now, that has to be enough. Mm-hmm. Your heart is in the right place, you, you know, and, and, and that's what matters. It's that love. It's that showing up for that, that divine soul that you, you got the honor of bringing into the world that you get to witness. And um, I, it's something we came back to before in the pre-interview that you had to learn to love and have gratitude for the the smallest little things. And so, you know, maybe part of that paradigm shift for people, if they, they realize they're having the same conversations over and over, like you catch yourself, you're like, I said the same thing yesterday at dinner. Mm-hmm. I, I said the same thing yesterday when they left the house and, and you don't like the way you're showing up in that situation. 
that's a clue to you. When you're when you feel like you're on autopilot, you're having a groundhog moment, that's that's a signal. You're recognizing that for a mm-hmm. reason and that this is a chance to implement gratitude. And think of one thing that you're grateful for. And instead of inserting a command or a criticism or a demand, say, hey, you know, you're I don't know, you could say anything like your hair is looking really good today or, or that that shirt is spot on or, you know, you are so funny or, you know, I'm just I'm just really happy to see you today. Can I have a mm-hmm. hug? You mm-hmm. know, like starting the day with a hug is so much better than what's on your to do list. Right. Like figure out how you want to center your life, how you want to show up, because it's your choice. Every moment's a chance to live the life of your dreams. So how do you want to show up? And you set the stage. Mm-hmm. Everything you said, everything you said, I would, I hundred percent agree. And I think that that's really what it had to come down to was, is that, um, the more I cared for myself and put myself first and started to heal and started to put those pieces together, the more I could show up differently in my life, I was less reactive, you know, as a counselor said to me, I, and I still use this to this day you have a choice with every single argument or discussion that comes to you. You can throw sand or you can throw gas on it. And it's an active conscious choice. The more I healed, the more I like calm my nervous system, the more I learned how to respond instead of react, throw sand instead of gas, I showed up differently. When I showed up differently, it changed how things unfolded, which eventually changed our circumstances. So indirectly things changed because we decided to create change first, not because we tried to force it to happen. I think all change comes from us first. I think every single thing that we want in our life comes from us, the choices we make, the decisions we make, how we show up, how we treat others. We're creating our life. Doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times, but you get to choose how you respond to every single thing that happens. Yeah. So if you're a control freak, control yourself, like, like figure out what, what your body needs, figure out how, how to be there for yourself. And then you're right. It's a ripple Mm -hmm. effect. It's a, it's a calming salve. Uh, what is the word solve? It's a calming balm. I guess I want to say, you know, it's a balm. Yeah. It's work. It's work and it takes practice. It does. But you, I mean, I found, I was able to find gratitude in places that I never, ever thought that I could. And, you know, when we would have a dinner and I'm like, everybody's here and everybody's alive and it's good. Like that's mm-hmm. enough for today. Like it's, it's stop playing in the future, right? Like when we are playing in the future, we are like anxiety is driving the wheel. When we're playing in the past, that's depression that's driving the wheel. I know that's a statement, but it's just... I didn't know how to live in the present moment because the present moment, I didn't know where to live. The past, I was replaying it. The future I was anxious about. The present moment was ugly. I didn't know where to go. I had to learn how to find a way to be in the present moment. And it's really powerful when you can start to do that. And that means that I would find gratitude for the simplest things. And some people, I would listen to them lose it over something. And I'd be like, "Mm, yeah, that's just not my, I mean, that's not where I'm at right now. I'm grateful for where we are today. It doesn't mean people would say, well, what are you going to do when the shoe drops? Cause you know, it's going to drop again. And I'm like, well, when that shoe drops, I will stop and pick it up then. But I can't plan for when the shoe's going to drop. I can't like map it out because I'm never going to be ready for it anyways. Right. We've all lost somebody. We've lost somebody in a like planned where they were sick and they were dying from something. We've, some of us have lost people in a car accident. 
you can't plan for either. You can't plan for those things. You can choose to live each day in each moment. And then that changes how you show up. And then that changes the relationships and things you have around you. Mm, that's so beautiful. And I, I just honor that because it comes, it comes from the most fragile, most vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. Your, your place as a parent, your place as a, a loving person in this world. And it, so powerful. Thank you for going there with mm-hmm. us. Thank you. It was very awesome. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And it's something I could talk about for a long time because it's it's really powerful and can impact a lot of us. And I can just say that even walking through some of the most difficult things I've ever walked through, it's changed me as a human and has allowed me to do the work I get to do now. Um, and it's allowed me to build even better relationships with them than what I had before. So I wish things hadn't happened. And just think how, yeah, I know you, you're you like, oh, that sucked. But just think of what great parents they're going to be if that comes to be a time, yeah. you know, yeah. or, you know, that you've broken perhaps a cycle. We talked about, you know, if there's alcoholism in a family that those children might be more vulnerable to drug, you know, addiction or addictions of all yes. types, yes. right? Like you know, get to know the signs and symptoms of addiction and, you know, just have honest, heartfelt conversations instead of blaming or shaming. Just be like, hey, I, I can tell that you're really into that right now, but, you know, we need to we need to go outside and do fun things together. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can, you can tell certain kids don't want to leave their video games. Like when they're five, they're like so involved. Like, and, and you love them. You say, oh, you really paid attention to that for a long time. Let's go do something yeah. else. So you're recognizing that's something rewarding to mm-hmm. them. But, you know, just keep keep spending time getting to know what your children are are into and what they're interested in. And, and you know, it's just we're just here to be there for them. And they have free will. And, every, you know, everyone has free mm-hmm. will. There's no guarantee for anything. No. You know, we don't even know if we're going to wake up in the morning. So no, we don't. And I, I love everything that you've said. And I think that's it. That's such a big part, such a big part of it is learning to like, just be there, but also like take care of yourself as a parent. Please take care of yourself as a parent, because you won't be able to do any of the other jobs that you want to do if you don't do that first. Oh Yeah. I had to learn that the hard way. Most, too. Parents, do. Most parents do. We we have to learn it the yeah. very hard way. Yep. We'd, we'd rather us suffer for a million days rather than them have five minutes of angst, right? Like we just. I know. And that angst can teach them so do. much. I know. I know. That's, that's the thing. Oh my goodness. Well, I will definitely put your, your website in the show Perfect. notes and, um, yeah. Do you have a call to action or any, any more resources that you'd like to share? I just really appreciate everything that you've given. This has been amazing. Oh, thank you. I, I think the big thing is, is if you feel this feels aligned to you, you would like to learn more, please follow me anywhere on social media. It's Marsha Van W on everything and my website and my podcast is on your choices on your life. And I believe in the show notes, um, I just gave up, I have a free quiz and it's like the blocks to owning your story. Like what are the blocks? And I actually give some NLP tools like EFT tapping to support you in moving through and releasing that story. It's just free. So that's, if that's there and that is something that speaks to you, then please feel free to do it. Um, just know that your story is, um, you're not alone. Your story is actually, it happens to you 
to do something with it. And please don't let it own you and control you because honestly, you can take your biggest sources of pain and do something really good with them and it'll change everything. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.